Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Tommy and Hector podcast with Lorita Blewett. Um, Hector sounds need to be turned up. Just my earphones there, thank you. Up. W- welcome, everybody. You good? You just just like the magic button. I don't know if it ever, if ever actually Just tightening in my pop shield. So uh, I have done something, and something happened this week, that never happened before in my life, and in my career, and in my routine. All right. Okay. This was the first time ever, ever it happened. And, uh, and uh, it, is, it, is, it shows us where we are in the country. And it shows us the way things have changed. And I said, fuck it. Why not? Why do I have to do that? Why can't I turn the tables and get it done there? So no, I don't think you should tell us anymore. I think we just move on <laughs> to the next segment. We should just work that out. <laughs> So and every, gonna, every week, Hector just comes on with this <laughs> inspirational thought. This just is random, non non-specific information. Well, now something happened to me last Friday, and it wasn't Thursday, and I was there, and I turned round and I said, "That'll never happen again." No, no. <laughs> and that's I all for me. That's like phoning people up in the middle of the night. Hello, and I tell you another thing: if John Foley thinks. You can say that to my I, wife and, I, okay. and moonwalk out of the jacks. <laughs> <laughs> Naked. I am. Um, no, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll explain it better. I think so. I, <laughs> Geographically no, but, in the country or like. No, no. So I decided. Well, I didn't decide. I'd heard of this service that was available. I'm still lost. Are you going to read it? I'm, so I don't know if I you should decided, start at the beginning or. I decided not to go into town for a haircut. <laughs> I would not have put that together Honestly And do you know what I did? I got a mobile person to come to my house To cut me hair <laughs> now, now. You, now you're all now. now have I got your attention yes. A mobile barber is this Jesus, or a, the heat again in here I've a, I have a velvet this, And by the way this is me velvet Velour I haven't I think worn they, this This is a velvet yeah, a Juicy couture Since 1987 <laughs> In my wardrobe, I have so many retro bits. I'm going to start wearing them again. So I said, fuck it. I put it on. It's too hot now. I rang Siobhan. 
And I said, Siobhan, I hear you've left the job. And she said, yeah. She said, I'm now mobile. I come to people's houses and I'll cut your hair. And I said, wow. I said, Siobhan, when? She goes, Thursday morning, 11 o'clock. I got my hair cut by a mobile hairdresser. And did she come with, was she COVID concerned? Yes. So... What did she? What was she, she had wearing? a mask and Very all. Very responsible of you to ask that. Tommy. She had all well, that. I'm just. I'm going no, to get a visual because she's going around different houses. Yeah. So she arrived, took out the suitcase, the mobile suitcase at the at the back of the car <laughs> with all the stuff in it. Right, hang on, would all suitcases not be mobile? <laughs> I was just going to say that. This is a, this a is mobile this. suitcase, but did it have wheels? They're all. They're all. <laughs> all suitcases are mobile, actor. If it's not mobile, it's a wardrobe. Larita, why are you <laughs> or, a, or a chest? <laughs> chest of drawers. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> you're from Mayo. Sorry, you're she's from Mayo and you're arriving at in this. <laughs> Did she come in a mobile car as well? Or <laughs> this is coming from somebody from fucking Did she come a... <laughs> This is priceless now. Uh, Into a uh, luggage shop. How are you? <laughs> I'm going to be doing a bit of travelling now. But. I'm, no, I don't want an ordinary suitcase. I want a mobile one. One, one you can take from place to place. She arrived, right? <laughs> she, she arrived. A mobile suitcase. <laughs> Please continue. As I, she took it out of the car and it had wheels on it, right? So she ferried up to the door. Uh, she had a mask on. And I ushered her into the kitchen where I had specially prepared an area where I went out to the garage and took down this old 17th century mirror that I had when I was in my hippie days. And I clonked it up on top behind the fruit basket and I had my little area there, my little stool. And in came Siobhan, uh, mobile, uh, cut by Siobhan it's called, and Siobhan, who's been cutting me hair for a while, uh, in a place in town, cut my hair. And it was great. She wore the mask. I put on some music. She's great fun. She's Manchester Irish. And it was brilliant. And 30 minutes later, toodaloo, bye-bye. And I didn't have to go into town for it. I didn't have to find parking. And that is the world we live in. I got a mobile haircut. Wow. wow. So I have the number. <laughs> Cut spice of on. Mobile hair. Well, and she's, she's in your area, Tommy. In She's mobile, you see. She's, she's in your Tommy. area, she's Tommy. In <laughs> she's not stuck to the one place. She's almost nationwide. <laughs> but she said, she said, this is it. I have to make this step and I have to do this. Uh, and they have a young girl. She's four or five. Uh, she just started Nina. And she said, I'm doing this now. And this is the way that it is. I'm, I'm going around. And if I can go around to a couple of clients every day, I'm doing it. Isn't that way? Yeah, I, I saw, I was walking past a house the other day and I saw outside a van parked for mobile uh, dog washing services mm. and the van was sitting outside maybe Siobhan should get a highest van and turn it into a barber shop turn the back of it into yeah. a little with a little chair and a little wow. mirror and a little sink yeah. wow I think that would be a better idea and That's then not, do you know what there was something really nice that I was still at home and somebody went and 20 minutes later I had my hair done and they're gone yeah mighty sorry hello what's wrong Tommy You've, he's he's turning into a fucking Tommy the technician here <laughs> Fucking, he's like this fucker that's been running the studio for Action. 40 you do Action. I'm not ready yet. Is it? No, turn off your microphone. Check your headphones. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Um, be a bit more enthusiastic. Well, he's trying to tell you be a bit more enthusiastic. All right, we'll start again. Is he doing shreds? Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> Fuck off. What? Okay, knowledge. What is wrong what with is you? What is wrong with you, Tommy? 
You're like a lunatic sound engineer. Okay, so the I I think it was I think it's important that everybody learns something new every week. Uh, I think n- between the fucking sniffles here, will you get a fucking tissue, Tommy? You've been sneezing for the last fucking I ten minutes. And if, wrong I, with if I don't give him eye contact when he's telling a story, he'll give me the devil eyes. Yeah. I'm always giving you eye contact. Yeah, but, yeah, but you're never listening to me. I'm listening now. Learn listen. something new every week. Yeah, listen. I think he needs to go outside <laughs> and have a walk. stop fucking what? sniffing and blow your nose. nose spray or something. I, I can't, I can't, I'm, I'm not using your nose spray. Well, I know not that, but you need something. <laughs> <laughs> I, just in the <laughs> I believe to learn something new. You've said this already. Every week is <laughs> <laughs> something really important. Larissa, I'm going to look at you for this. Already I'm this. Not even. So knowledge, I think, is very important. And I don't think we should ever stop learning. I think it was the German philosopher Dietrich Bartracht that said... <laughs> If he fucking said, I think it was the ju- if Tommy, no, but it you was would just be like the way this. You You'd be like going, "Oh, that's mad." No, you read so many no, books. But you know what was so you funny? See, I knew no, you made it no, up. No, from the start. no, I didn't make it up. Dietrich Bartrack said that learning. <laughs> <laughs> he's the German philosopher who said that learning something. What's the Bartrack? German. Just because you've loaded books behind you in every interview you do, you don't you? <laughs> Listen. He doesn't sound terrible. Tommy, oh, Tommy, well, don't. Look, no. Dietrich. Dietrich Bartrach. It sounds like a train line. You, listen to what he says. Okay, he go on. Says, what did he say? What learning he say? something new brings your upstairs in life. It brings the brain to an upstairs in life. Okay? It brings the brain to an upstairs in life. Dietrich either said that and is full of shite or he did not say right, that. I'm not talking it anymore. It brings your brain to an upstairs in life. In a, no, something, it wasn't, I can't remember the exact quote. What was no. the book called? The exact quote is. Downstairs <laughs> with your mother. The upstairs, downstairs. I think that's an interior yes, yeah, magazine. Yeah. Sneer all you want. Sneers. What? Go on, what did he say I, again? I'm, I'm, Come on. Just... This is like sneer now. No, it's not sneer. Come on. So, Dietrich Bartrack. Lorita, if he said it, oh yeah, well, who's that famous German? Some... You go, I Tommy. Wouldn't. You I would. That is you ridiculous. You would. And the rest of the audience you is going, just Tommy went like reads that. so fucking much. Dietrich Bartrack said that bringing new knowledge to your brain allows you to go upstairs in your mind. And that's a fair fucking point. I want to. What, l- what do you think he means by that? I want to learn new things every week every day every day but I try and do stuff I try and take it to the next level I try and give me something new Mm. so the other night in the house oh but now downstairs we were downstairs in the kitchen there was a problem with the fridge Mm. and it was it was flooding a little bit at the back of the fridge and I was going fuck it's only a new fridge and I said, what the fuck is going on? It's always leaking. So I was putting in... It's always what? Leaking a little bit. Leaking. So I was putting in, putting in kitchen towel at the back of the... Yes. And, and it was getting soggy. I was going, it's not fucking icing. It's a new fridge. And I said, what the fuck is going on here? Right. So, lo and behold... And this is what I mean. This is, this is what Bartrick meant about open, <coughs> opening your mind and learning something new. Every single fridge that's manufactured has a soakage hole at the back. Yes. There's a little tiny little hole at the back yeah. of your fridge that will accept moisture or condensation. Uh-huh. Did you know about this? Yeah. 
Everyone knows about it. You just stick something down in it to let let it de-block, unblock. Who told you there was a soak of at the back of the fridge? Because I, I have a fridge. So I, I, I went in behind the butter. Yeah. And, uh, and the flora. Yes. And me buffalo mozzarella. And and the orange juice. And I got down and I I saw it. And you it have to use a straw sometimes or, or a something. cotton bud. Well, so, you've plenty of them in the house, we so know. So what happened was... Go on, sneeze, go on, sneeze in the middle of it. I wonder, does Tommy have... <laughs> hay fever. So I'll continue the podcast here. Sucks. Tommy's now gone outside to sneeze. So I pulled everything out of the fridge. Did you not know that that thing was... <laughs> like my father in the Is 80s. that the chicken or... Get that flame up. <clears throat> Did you swallow something? There was a butterfly flying around here. Did you swallow it? Listen to me coughing and spluffing. <laughs> Do you need some water? <laughs> Get him some water, he's joking. What is... What are you getting up? Is it white or is it green? Do you need to see a doctor? Oh this is wrong he's with him. The back the, he's gone round the back of the house. Sounds like he's cough, coughing up along. He's that all morning. I'd seriously get a COVID test if I'm on it. We'll all have to be tested. So anyway... The, the so pro- did you not know that was there? No, I never knew this. Oh, right. So so what I'm saying is, uh, uh, I emptied out I emptied out the whole fridge. I took every single thing out. I, I put some cotton buds in and I knew there was a little bit of blockage. But then I googled it and then I researched it and they said, take everything out of your fridge. This is at eight o'clock in the evening. I should be watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire with Clarkson. I, said, I called to the two boys to lift this monstrosity of a fridge down onto the kitchen floor. Now you'd need a manitou or a telescopic to do this. This is I started sweating, the windows were open, it was a lovely evening. I said, right lads, we're taking the fridge right off. I have to get out at the, at the back, because at the back of the fridge then is the soakage area. There's a little tube that goes down yeah. into a bottle where it can't, it can't right. I didn't know this. Right. Right? Right. So I'm taking the fridge down. The boys are lowering it down. It's an awful lot of weight. I had to take everything out of the fridge. Then I had to take the grill off the back of the fridge. Then I had to get in at the tubing at the back of the fridge where I found debris. Debris and then I cleared out the piping, opened up the whole thing, put the thing back on it and put the fridge back up by about half past nine. And then I went in and I had a cup of tea and I said to myself, well, fuck me. I never knew there was that little soakage hole and how important that is at the back. And that's what Dietrich Bartek was on about. Knowledge to bring you every day forward to learn something new. And I now know how to fix the fridge. And you'd be able to give other people advice on yeah, their fridges. yeah. Because if, if we live in a world of, oh, oh, the fridge is broken. Ring Tommy Flaherty, Zanussi, the Zanussi man mm. for Barna. Yeah. Ring yeah. this, ring that. You don't have to ring. What we should do is fix it yourself if you can. Learn to fill your brain with new knowledge. Yes. Because I will, my kids will always know, know how to, fix, how the to fix the fridge going forward. And that's what Bartrick meant. He was a philosopher in Dresden from the 1850s. Yeah. That's... That's inspirational stuff. <laughs> did I have you for a second about the German philosopher? I no. did, didn't I? You fucking did. You lost me because you weren't, as I was you, you tr- weren't confident in his name. As, I, <laughs> as you said, it just paused. And I knew you had no. him, you lost On me the there. way to this podcast today, I said, I'm going to fucking say a philosopher from Germany. Well, you should have practiced his name before. I knew you'd sneer at me. You should have pra- practiced his name and you should have given him an Irish sneer, name. Sneer and laugh at me because all I read is books about Jackie Tyrrell and fucking sports autobiography. <laughs> So, have, have you ever been to a lap dancing club? Uh, silence. <laughs> silence. I, silence. Is my solicitor's number? 
I, I read in the paper this week, and I, I heard another story that's as well. There's, there's <laughs> Just can I um, can we get some fresh air in here? I kind of a turn the lights off again. Hang on, you can't just come out with statements. Again, like, he's asking questions. Yeah, but I don't discuss. Uh, okay, I'll rephrase the question. I don't answer a question lap, that might have consequences. Lap dancing clubs discuss. Discuss. No, no, you can't come out with that. Let me um, don't, little, what, what goes on in them? Well, you tell me. What's no, come on. What goes, you brought it up now. What goes on in what, a lap dancing club? What are club? they? What are they? Well, I, I think I was in one once in Germany. And what was it yeah, like? What, what, what kind of what kind of crack was going the on? Women had really hairy armpits. I would never go somewhere hairy armpits. Anyway, no, I ha- read a story in the paper last mm. week about a fella that went into a lap dancing club, yeah. and the next morning checked his bank account, and he'd spent. 25,000 euro in there. So I think, and, and I heard another story as well, where this guy had lost 40,000 euro while he was on holidays. Yeah. Because he was in a lap dancing club. Because I think they're getting, like, drugged or something. And I'll oh. tell you what happened to me. I was in uh, a lap dancing club one time in Los Angeles. I had never been a la- to a lap dancing club before. I didn't really know the crack other than that there'd be skimpy women in it. And... I went in and I was sitting up at the bar and this young one came down to me, a blondie young one, wearing a kind of like a, you'd almost got like, a, it's a kind of like a nightdress, a kind of a, like a short. Like a negligee. Yeah, like a short. Like a slip, a slip line. A slip, yeah. A like slip. She, uh, and she said to me, the music was playing in the background and she just came down to me, you know, and she said to me, do you want a dance? I said, Yes. So I got off my chair and went out on the floor and <laughs> I and started dancing with her. <laughs> Shut up. I swear to fuck. What was she saying? She probably loved it. I was just, I was kind of doing all doing the moves. Doing like as if you were at a wedding. Shoot like. that poison and I wrote to my heart. So no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be au fait with the, the kind of the. Um, so yeah. this is the whole thing where they're getting, men are getting robbed like. Big time now going into them Some because the, they go in and they buy um, a lap dance for maybe two hundred euro or whatever, and then a lap they, dance for two hundred euro. Yeah, and then they buy and then they they get their bill afterwards the next day, and there's all like bottles of moe and bottles yeah. of all expensive champagne. They're like three thousand euro a pop or whatever, mm. and there's you, there's no getting like the bank. You authorize the money going out, obviously at the time because you're. Oh yeah, I'll buy that. Or either that, or you gave your credit card at, at the, the start, start yes. and all this they, they put lure you in by saying there's no charge. But had, at there's the door. no comeback from it either. No, no it's a clear one. Ex- there's exorbitant prices in these places. I have my feeling about lap dancing clubs is I think the idea of them is fantastic. So I think that uh, there's a lot of sexual tension mm. in culture, and you get a lot of lonely people. You you get a lot of say from a male point of view. I'm not talking about the actuality of lap dancing clubs now. Um, the kind of the the women who might be trapped in that industry, or are they illegal? The in men Ireland? who might exploit no, the women. No, 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 they're not illegal in Ireland. Right. Or any of that. I'm talking about the idea of it. So the the idea of it for me is a great idea. You get people who are. It's almost like a physical therapy thing where you have this f- loneliness on you, and this desire to have n- naked contact with another human being. And you can't really walk the streets and express that. Right. Because that makes women feel really uncomfortable. Because, you know, because uh, if you think about it, 
I don't think women will ever, as long as there's sexual energy, I don't think women will ever feel completely safe. Because there's something in the actual act of sex that is, it's not that it's aggressive, but there's a kind of, it's a, <laughs> it's a kind of, it's an invasion. <laughs> and you'll never take the invasion out of it. Do you know, am I, am I making sense here? And Do you that, mean like if you're having sex with one, if you're having sex with a woman, one off time? Is that when you think the woman isn't safe? Like if you just met a woman and you had sex with her, not you personally, but yeah. just saying, would that make, would that, is that what you mean that the woman would feel no, unsafe? No, no, I, I think that as long as there's men and there's women, there'll always be sexual okay, energy you know, yeah. and sexual tension. And that sexual and tension... sexual want. Yeah, will, may, will mean that the, the tension means that there'll always be a, the something air, there. something in the air. Yeah. And maybe when that something is always in the air, women will never feel completely safe. Yeah. Okay, as long as that's there. Now, now it, it can, um, am I, it's such a strange thing to try and talk about. I understand. Okay, but anyway, so. Yes. If, if a man is, is walking around right, and he, he say he's, he, he walking does, down the street, he does, doesn't have someone in his life or yeah. whatever and it's maybe been months yeah. since he's had any type of naked physical interaction with another human being. That's not something that can express itself on the street because there's no safe place for it to, for that to happen. There's no kind of you don't you <laughs> just run up to you someone. Can't, you can't be bringing that energy to another human being without their permission or anything like that. So it's just so the idea of going to a place where a woman says, or maybe for for, for gay men as well, but for a woman to say to this man, "Look." I know what it is missing from your life. And in this controlled environment, I am prepared to show you my body. And the man just sits there and he goes, well, thank fuck for that because I need to see it. My eyes need to rest. And I need a coarse light. And a coarse light. <laughs> my, my eyes need the intimacy. The desire. From that, Tommy, so the idea of a lap dance club, I think, theoretically, is great. <clears throat> the actuality of them is different. The actuality but, is a bit CD. CD and stuff like but that but I think the idea is good look at the way lap dancing and strip clubs I wouldn't want my daughter working in to be lap dancers but, look, have, but look at the way it's adapted over the last America is the leader of strip clubs and lap dance and it was there that it was evolved in the 70s and you know and India India's mad for them uh, the Romans, the Romans, the Romans, oh, the orgies. Yeah. The Romans were the, first, were the first strip clubs ever. There was, there was, oh, yeah. the ancient Romans. They were drinking wine and slurping beer and and having the crack. Yeah. They were, they had strip clubs way back. But if you think about it's it, a massive in Palestine as well. The, Gaza, the, Gaza the, strip. Or what was you now, oh, yeah, you so. now have seriously artistic, brilliant dancers, brilliant with music, great. They're very fit. Uh, pole dancing is now is, is in every town and parish. It's in the Olympics, in the special it's Olympics. In, it's in specialised subjects. There are women. There are women going to pole dancing classes around the country because they're getting amazingly fit. Yes, and there are women who are inserting poles in their bedrooms oh. and in their house all over the country just to keep Jimmy and John. And isn't that an amazing thing? Could you imagine if you have a pole inserted in the double bedroom? I'd probably break my two ankles and my leg by <laughs> running imagine? into it. Could you imagine? But like the thing about it is, is that yeah, I do see what you're saying, Tommy, as well, and it's. Uh, I think the people who are extortionate on this are the they. It's the same as the nightclub owners and the, the lads and the, it's all that fucking. I was talking to a woman out in uh, Connemara beyond Ballykeneely recently, and I was talking to her about the gentleness of Connemara men, 
you know, that not all of them, but some of them, <laughs> that there can be, there can be a kind of a gentleness. And she said, she said, I grew up with that. And she said, as a, a young girl in this village, she said, I felt safe. I felt safe here. There was no energy coming off the men that mm. could present trouble to mm. me. And I think that's a, that's a wonderful that's a nice thing. thing. It's wonderful. <clears throat> I aspire to that gentleness. Like, what, was she older? She's older now, but when she was young, oh, yeah, she said, I understand when, she, that, when, but like, when she was like, you know, say, from once you become conscious of yourself as female, so say from the age of, what, five upwards. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That, yeah. And you kind of go, I, she says, I felt safe here. Yeah, that's that's nice. a wonderful thing. So I'm saying, I'm saying as a man, mm. I aspire to that gentleness. Many couples go to a strip club, by the way, as well. Many boyfriends, girlfriends, many husbands, wife goes to a strip club. It's a, it's a place of entertainment. There's good music. You have a few beers. It's a night out. Uh, there, it's not the CDs. Having said that, you're talking about lads getting ripped off. <clears throat> and Galway has had a, 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 a checkered history with strip clubs. I mean, this town of Galway changed one of the most fantastic establishments. One of the greatest bars Galway's ever had. Taylor's. It was back now as a bar. When it was a bar, it was like we were in the crane recently on this podcast. But Taylor's back in the day, Rita, when you were on, when we were on iRadio, was Taylor's open? I don't know. Taylor's was, was a great Taylor's. What it was? I was no it. before it, Tommy. Taylor's. Why would you describe Taylor's? Taylor's was like uh, it was like the wardrobe in Narnia. Narnia. Yeah. You just open the door and you just disappear into a <laughs> kingdom of madness and of drink and people drinking at. <laughs> 12 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. Characters. And, and a dark and... A, and a session starting at like 3 o'clock on a Tuesday and not stopping till... And everyone hammered by half eight. Brilliant yeah. bar. Brilliant you know, bar. And then a fresh crowd coming in at nine to drive it until 2am. Yeah, and yeah. then the Celtic Tiger you came know. into Ireland and then Taylor's was sold. And what did they put in? Yeah. A clatter of Russian women. A clatter of... Lithuanians. Gee, gee. And one of the greatest p- <laughs> the greatest pubs in Galway became a place where velvet curtains closed oh, yeah. the window, two bouncers outside the door, and you weren't allowed in. Any amount of tongs in the wash basket. And any you weren't allowed in, as you said, Lorita, at the top of this conversation, without their credit card. And a what a cash. And now, years later, yeah. what has happened? To the velvet curtains and the bouncers outside. And the tongs. And the tongs in the gi. <laughs> Tommy has the gi gone. The gi, gi, gi gone. <laughs> gi gone. And it's back. Gi go, gi gone. Get your gis out of here, said the men. <laughs> it, it's now back to the pub. It was, yeah, it was yeah. for many years. Only a bit so disappointing I, for many, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that's why... We're going to open a chain of strip clubs yeah. around the what country. What we call it? Gee. <laughs> no, you can't, you call, can't it. call it gee. Gee-gees. 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 Ballina. Oh. Gee-gees. There'd be no call for it in Ballina. Okay. Gee-gees yeah. Ballina. What do you think of divorce? Um... In what Well, context? I just, I don't know, I just, it's a cultural phenomenon. I just wanted to, I, I don't often think about mm. it, but I remember, like, it's almost commonplace now. Not commonplace, but it's, it's more of a cultural, it's still shocking when you hear about it and sad when you hear about it. But it's still, it's not a, it's like when my kids were in, in Galway Educate Together School, there was, so I, my kids were from a separated family and, uh, 
it was amazing there could be like six or seven other kids mm-hmm. in the class who had the same thing. But I remember growing up, I, I don't think I knew anybody. Divorce. Who was divorced. Of course, Very strong yeah, word yeah. back then. Do you know what I mean? It mm, was like, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, there was one fella I knew in Athlone who's, and he got, he got a limp out of it. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> he got a limp. Like, when it's, do it. Like when you're young and things affect you and you don't know. Oh, how, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You could so have his parents separated and literally he had a limp. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Did it, he just develop it? He just developed a limp. Like he was. His, <laughs> Are you sure he didn't have an accident in the meantime? No, I don't think so. I just. <laughs> his parents got separated. Next thing he's like, he's got a. It's a One John, what's going on there? there. <laughs> he's got a limp. <laughs> He went lame. He went lame. That's he went lame. He went lame. Just this notion that the body keeps score. Like, yeah. Like when trauma happens, it, 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 it takes it, it out. Like sometimes. Horse, he went lame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, so. But you see, I think in Sweden, it's something like 47% of the population get divorced. So it wow. would be big in somewhere like Sweden. Ireland's only trotting behind It wasn't it. a done thing in the 70s. It wasn't a done thing in the 80s. When was the Even first... Even though your parents could be roaring and screaming mm. and, back then, and how dishes how flying. How many parents back the, back in those days how many parents put up with the situation the shit situation they mm. were in for the good of the family? Yeah. Even, though, even though the good of the family was just what? But a it was, kind a, of it was silence. A, but we were a Catholic more a Catholic country then and people were you know you got married in the church and I think would that not be more of the reason why? Like, whereas Jesus, now we're like, uh, we're Catholics, uh, uh, but we're sort of mm, wishy washy. Tommy, like divorce, uh, divorce is not a bad word anymore. Divorce is not a bad thing anymore. Divorce is allowing people to go their ways and be happy in the time we have on this planet. I mean, in my situation, my mum and dad uh, relationship dissolved. For for a long, long time, but yet they still cohabited the same house. Mm. Mm. Uh, and my dad liked to drink, uh, and there was no divorce. It was just we got on with things. We got on with life. Mm. We got on with separation. There was separation in the house, but there was no divorce. There was no packing bags, and he left out the out the door. Do you know? So, uh, I could could you imagine if for that divorce thing happened to a family in 1983? Okay, like is it could now? Could you imagine that? Like, mm. and if it happens now, I'm not saying it's easier now, but it's not as much as a massive issue or a massive thing. Right? You know who got divorced? Yeah. You know who's, he's gone. Yeah. He got the road. He got the red card. She's left him. He's left her. But, but if you think about it, right? Like, say, if your parents had got divorced, right? Where would your father have gone? He couldn't. He wouldn't. Where would he have gone in the eighties? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There was nowhere to go. You, you, you know what I mean? I, move I, in I, with someone else. This friend of mine uh, from down in County Kerry, his parents had the most. This is back in the forties now. His parents, he said, had the most unbelievably violent—not physically violent, but in a, a kind of a verbally violent house. And he said, some days it would just get too much, and he'd wake up in the morning, the father be gone. Mm-hmm. And he'd be gone to London or Sheffield oh, really? or Leeds mm. for eight months mm. and he'd send checks home. So the family, he'd, he'd get work over there. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> send checks home. So just because the mum and the dad weren't together it wouldn't mean that the, everybody was starving. Send checks home and then after nine or ten months he'd just appear one day. It would be kind of, I suppose, their way of keeping the marriage together. You know, by him going away. Also, but I think back, like if you ever read old Irish like myth or folklore stuff like that or even to hear people who grew up in the 20s and 30s talk 
people were often reared by people who weren't their parents. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. So people were often fostered out and people mm. were often kind of... Oh, Unofficially I li- fostered, yeah. Yeah, I kind of... Oh, I, live me, I was mm. reared by my granny or I was reared by my two aunts or stuff yeah. like that. And in... If you read stuff about Cucullin and Ferdia and all these people, um, fostering was huge. So mm. you rarely grew up with your mother and father. Mm. So something... The size of Irish families as well up until maybe the 1930s, 1940s meant that kids had to go live with other people yeah. and stuff like that. Um, so the the thing of this of the nuclear Irish family, mm. that isn't something that's kind of bone deep in Irish people. It's a wonderful thing, but it's not something that's kind of uh, always been the Irish way. The Irish way is fluent, adaptable to circumstance, yeah. you know. Um but I, I, I just, I remember hearing that fella's story and going, jeez, just the, the I, suppose, I suppose, in a sense, the confidence, the confidence of the, of the father just to say, to walk out the door for nine months. And mm. and the ability of the mother to adapt in that situation, to keep the kids clothed, to keep the show on the road, to keep the vehicle moving, to get the boys to school, yeah. to get the dinner on the table, to hold her head high as she walked down yeah. the main street. To hold her head high oh, when she yeah, went for yeah. went communion. Yes. Because uh, uh, society was a different part of Ireland in the 70s and 80s than we are now. But divorce, like divorce, it's, it's. I, I don't think, it, I think there's a, there's a, we're not as worried. It's not as an though? evil a word is as it, it because of Is it because of this, go back again to the Catholic Church though? I don't know. I mean, you always. I mean, people were God fearing before. Like. Could I ask you? Were you separated or divorced, like Tommy? Or no, I've only been. I'm. I've only been married once, and I'm still married to that lady. Okay. So my first relationship, I was never married. Yeah, you're kind of you're rare in a family together. You're you rare know? in a family, Tommy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I, you know, you're. It's. I think it's. It was. I know it was probably better for my older children that when they went into a classroom, they weren't the only ones. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Isn't that one of the beauties of Educate Together? But I think it's more together. commonplace now. Definitely not even in, I would say even in a rural parish school, like yeah. it would be not as... How many people listening to this podcast are living in a difficult situation? How many people are waking up in a house and it's a shitty situation, but they're hanging in there for the good of their kids? Or there's financial reasons or, yeah. you know... Like lots, lots, lots. When love breaks down... <clears throat> when, when love, love breaks down... <laughs> when love lies. breaks down... The, the lies you tell... If they could come out over you. Prefab sprout. When love Legend. breaks down. When love breaks down. It's... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. A, f- a friend of mine, he's a Protestant. The reason I tell you that is because he talks whoa, whoa, about... Whoa, 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 that's a whoa. massive statement. No, it's not. That's, that's, that's fairly... a massive statement to come out with I'm on just a podcast. <laughs> I'm just telling oh, you man. that he's... Why don't you tell us, get ready for that? I'm Fucking hell, Jesus Christ. Somebody open the window second. here. He was talking about Protestant <laughs> communion yeah, last you week. You can't just you say can't. I have a friend of mine who's a, a Protestant. Protestant. Why, I'm not allowed to have Protestants. Oh, no, but you can't Christ. just come out with a sweet and stable like that. Like, that's the shock of that. That's like going on... <laughs> get a, have we got a defib outside, please? Can we have I have a friend who's a Protestant. Yeah. Fucking hell, Jesus, I need more. Just fucking blurt it out, don't you? Tommy... Have I you, didn't know how else have was you had a, Have you had any painkillers there? I have a fucking headache. <laughs> that would kill <laughs> a fucking horse now. Stop it. Go around the low, frontal lobes here. What? I, Go on. Anyway, he, he talks about this. He, he always talks about, like, if you're uh, if, if I'm talking to him about stuff, oh, God, I hope such and such. I hope you don't give him too much information now, do you? I know. I'd only talk to him very sporadically good, okay. good 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 and I would keep things very vague very vague you know. <laughs> good, yeah. right. but he talks about Catholic guilt something that he said that none they don't his, none of his fucking business <laughs> yeah. how dare he how dare he make a such an insinuation about Catholic guilt the prerogatory I'll give him of the bigotry <laughs> of the prerogatives what is that word but, but, how dare but, he <laughs> Sound like him, basically. Well, um, but does it exist? Like wh- when he said it to me, then it kind of it, it makes sense. He talked about he talks about you know divorce, and he said like Protestants, guilt. Protestants the, wouldn't care about any of that stuff. Guilt is the Catholic for karma. Hmm. Guilt is the Catholic for karma. Just let that breathe there for ten seconds. So Can you just develop that into a little bit more. Just develop it into a little bit how more did you of get an idea. To that conversation. How you going? I, I can't remember, but oh, where did you meet him? He's a fucking, what time of the day? Spy, what, what time of the day was this at? <laughs> Can I ask you more about this Protestant? What is his line and occupation? Yeah, what does he? What does he want to do? And where is he living? Easy. Can he fuck off back to his own people in Sligo? He's <laughs> Well, he's not from Mayo anyway. I can tell you that. How is he's not from Mayo? He's a he's a doctor, but the only um, president in Mayo owns it. <laughs> he's the rectory surgery. The when rec- did he infiltrate the south? Oh no, he he wasn't in the south. I wasn't talking. Jeez, I don't wouldn't bring him down here. I wouldn't oh. bring him down the south. You met him but across. I did. I met him across the border. But uh, I don't know how the conversation came up. But I thought it was interesting afterwards. Catholic guilt. You know, we're always worried about what our neighbours think. Or oh, Jesus, if I, you know, that's not I, guilt. Worrying about what your neighbours think isn't guilt. Well, what is it? What's Catholic guilt then? Well, my notion of it is that if you commit a sin, whatever you view a sin to be. Um, that your your conscience will serve a sentence until you have served your time for committing that sin. And when you're the far side of it, your conscience will say, your work is done, move on. So say you punch someone in the face, a Protestant, like, no, no something serious, a child. So <laughs> you might feel bad about that for two or three years. It's a long time, you know, and yeah. and uh, what I would suggest is that that it's akin to the the Buddhist notion of karma, that you do something wrong, then you have to 
the scales have to be readjusted. And for sin, the scales being readjusted is guilt. You know what I mean? So you steal something. So you from don't feel sh- guilty if you eat a cake like. No. Is that guilt? Yeah, is it? No. Oh, I feel guilty now. You know, oh, I, I'm after eating the last biscuit in the house and someone's coming so in. So Christ and, is there. Yeah. And he's... Uh, He's talking to the sinners. What have you done? I've murdered a woman. What have you done? I've murdered a man. What have you done? I I ate a bit of cake. I ate a full Madeira cake. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that's sin. No, it's not sin. It's guilt. Okay, is, so is there not a difference? Sinning, sinning, Larita. Is sinning guilt? Sinning, so sinning, sinning is all encompassing. It's all spectrum. It's well, if you were religions. in Slimming World, yeah, if you eat too much sweet stuff, that's their sins. Yes, but that's this. So then it's but, just, but what I'm saying know. is all sinners sin, all people sin, Catholic guilt, Protestant guilt, Buddhism guilt. No, but the, 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 the Protestants reckon that we suffer more from guilt and we have, we have maybe heavier conscience than they have. No, we can take, we can take more on board than the Protestants. Yeah, we they're, can, ad, we can adapt. We're, we're the hard dog for the long road. We're the centre half back. We're the strong They're the hundred meter runners. Yeah, we're, we're more marathon people. I I have done stuff that I feel very guilty about, and I I I, always, I check in with myself, and I go, "Am I still feeling guilty about that?" Would you make a note of it and say, "I did this on the sixth no, of January"? But, I know, and not, give yourself no, a year. No big like. stuff like murder and that. Right. So and and I would feel guilty about stuff, and I would check in with myself every now and again, and if I'm still feeling guilty about it, it's that I haven't served the sentence yet. Do you mean I haven't completed my time? So you commit a, a secular crime, you get sent to jail, and after that you've you've done your you've done your nine years, and now you're free. And I think it's the same with this sense of sin and the sense of guilt. You do something wrong, you feel bad about it, and when you stop feeling bad about it, your sentence is. And I think Irish people, I suggest, and, and, and Catholics, because we are at this conversation. I think us Catholics are very good at making things better. We've done something wrong. I'll make it better. Uh, and I'll go out and I'll be nicer and I'll try and be better. Like I'm waving a lot more at people in cars now than ever before. Why? Because I'm just nicer. I think I'm nicer since lockdown. I am smiling at people and it's great. I love people waving at me in a car that I don't even know and I'm doing that more. I am now being a nicer person. The minute I leave that house, the common simple things that we where we were in lockdown and now where we are I'm just going to I'm just giving everything to the people I'm just going to be as friendly as I can and nice as I can so I have no guilty conscience I have nothing because I just want to be nice to people because when you're nice to people they'll be nice to you and that's what the Protestants can't do Hang on They can't be nice to people (laughs) You're you're waving to people What do you mean though? I'm waving at strangers in cars are you and you're in the car as well? Absolutely. But that happens in the country anyway. You wave no, at everyone. Not to everyone. Just a flick of the finger. I'm doing it to everyone and I'm letting people out at a junction where before lockdown I wouldn't and I'm stopping and I'm smiling. And when you get that little smile back from the inside of a Toyota Vensis or a Carina or a Land Cruiser or a Pajero or an A3 or the a Passat, the new Passat, which is nice. When somebody smiles back to you and it's eleven o'clock in the morning. And you're going down to down, you're going down to get the the meat in the butchers. What a beautiful moment! That is about being nice. That is about everything Tommy talks about. Not being just being nice. Niceness goes back to well, I'm nice nonsense. every day. But hang on, I don't understand that. You're, I can understand why you was uh, acknowledge if you're letting someone out or 
if there's something happening on the road that you need to interact with another person. I totally get that. But what you're saying is... You, get you, to those stage now where the boys... Where, where you, what you're saying is that you're driving one way and someone's driving another and you're just waving at them. Yes. They'll think you're mental. No, they're not because since lockdown we're a lot friendlier. It's got to the in stage Clare now... It's got to the stage now where the boys in the car, that me lads in the car are going, why are you doing that, Dad? I says, lads... Lads. But just give us an idea. He waved the wave. to me. He waved to me. But he said, "Do you know him?" I said, "That's not the point, lads. The point is, it's a wave. It doesn't cost. It's not it. lovely. It's a lovely how yeah. It and is he nice said, to do that." He said, "You don't know them, Dad. That's my young lads. Oh, that has to go. That has to go. We I agree. know everyone in this country, and everyone knows each other. A little smile. A little smile. I give people a I smile. I love it now. There's Hello. more wave into. Show everyone. me the wave you give. Like, nah. give us an idea. Like, I'd, I'd wave at people in the car by like this, but yeah. not more. The finger. That's a real local one yeah I that's know. a local but but, yeah. but but something's after happening it's not you're not just driving past each other I would yeah on the road not more like I'd give them a Tommy, little Tommy if you open yourself up at the windscreen of life <laughs> stop at the windscreen <laughs> alright Oprah no, come on no, no but <laughs> what, I've, I've written a couple one of my Jeez. first books was called The Windscreen of Life uh, Irish <laughs> people spend over 17,000 hours you just made that up dri- no Driving a car. <laughs> Some lads are driving since they're 12. Yeah. Tommy was driving since he was eight. Yes. I was in the Mirafiori at six. In the what? The Mirafiori. I was sent into town to get fags and vodka when I was eight. And he throw, tell him, tell him. Hillman Hunter. <laughs> and he comes up outside my house. Nick, Nick. Picked I, you up as well. Did he bring you in for the, the fags? <laughs> um, I pulled up for, do you have to, the, you rehearsed the First Holy Communion? Yeah, when not, you get not, the Silvermans. Not the actual day. Right. right. When you get Silvermans. As Holy Communion. What? That's what they used to give us. Instead of Holy Communion, they'd give us Silvermans to practice because they couldn't give you Holy Communion. <laughs> in the school. Like, to practice what? Eating? Putting it in your mouth. Like, like if you get it Line in your hand. Line up now, children. Stick your tongue out in an appropriate manner to get the Holy Communion. <laughs> Did you and they give you a Silvermint. A Silvermint, yeah. To practice. Well, anyway, I, for our, yeah. our our rehearsal for our first holy communion, I drove in. I drove up drove in the Hillman Hunter. Hunter. <laughs> and you picked him up. She was a gear. She's a gear stick. And by God, I hopped yeah. in the front. The two of us, we put the Ray Ban shades on. Hector was on pedals. I was on the wheel. I said, <laughs> and who was on the? Oh yeah. And I said to him, "Wait, like get me duffel coat." He said, "Fuck your duffel coat. Get in. We're going eating Jesus." <laughs> ning ning. Was the seventeen thousand people? Seventeen thousand, yeah. seventeen thousand hours driving a car at the windscreen of life. So the next time yes. you're in the car, everyone listen to this podcast. Please open your world up. The peripheral vision, the three sixty. We spend a lot of time looking in mirrors and looking in the left mirror and looking in this mirror instead of saying to ourselves, "Look in the mirror of life that's in front of you and say, how are you, my friend? Have a good day. I'm waving to you now." And I'm Welcome back to the Tommy and Hector podcast with Larita Blewett. Tell me, lads, what do you think of the devil? I haven't A had... friend of mine's mother, she'd be a born-again Christian. Right. He called round to the house to see her recently and the she... The devil did? Oh, sorry. <laughs> My friend called round to see his mother. She's a born-again Christian and a, a kind of charismatic evangelist. And she said to him, the devil was in the garden last week, down the bottom of the garden. And he was kind of curious about it and he said what did he look like and she turned to him and she said do you really want to know oh Jesus Christ (laughs) and he said yeah and she went he's kind of ugly looking covered in lumps and then she said or maybe it was me imagination 
But if, even if it was my imagination, who do you think put it there? That's right. The devil. So I want to ask you, what do you think? I have a sense of the devil. Go on. I have a sense of... Uh, uh, not The devil not being a, like a, not, not a person as such, but a kind of... An energy that can go through a culture. And uh, I would characterise it as that that kind of rhythm of living those habits that aren't good for us mm-hmm. that somehow seem energised that there's you know, people say you know goodness goodness is a vibe there's a good vibe mm. there or you can get on a kind of a pattern or a rhythm of goodness and I think also there's rhythms of badness there's rhythms and habits and currents and flows of stuff that is just not good for people. And that's how I'd characterise the like devil. Like nastiness in people. Not even nastiness. I think it's stuff that stops your spirit from soaring. Now this is a da- And I would sometimes listen to the Pope and I, you know, the Pope talks about the devil and I, I wouldn't be, a, I like, a, I have nothing against the Pope. You know, I, I wouldn't, I, and I think he's a, he could be a fine man. I've, I've, I wouldn't have any... Ill will against him. No, I wouldn't have been against him, you know. I would suggest that the, and this is going to sound queer to people like there are certain cultural addictions that I think are the devil it's going to sound weird like all the kids on mobile phones and some of the stuff that comes up like there are uh, suicide sites that young people can reach mm. teaching you how to commit suicide mm. yeah you know there are there's a uh, there are levels of anxiety, insecurity, um, and self-loathing and self-doubt that seems th- that you can. Th- there's a kind of a there's a place for all that online, and I characterise that as the devil. Mm. That kind of just <clears throat> that negative. It's more than a negative energy. It's like an anti-love energy mm. that is sometimes there, and, and I'd characterise that. You know, I wouldn't think of some fellow with horns or I wouldn't think of hell or I wouldn't think of... But I just... A guy down the back of the garden. Yeah, I just have that sense <coughs> of... There's, there, can, there's, there can be a badness in mm. the culture. And if you're looking for a name for it, you know... Remember that great line from The Usual Suspects when Kaiser Soze and he turns to your, your man who's interviewing him and he says, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing people that he didn't exist. And Good then, line. And then he was gone. So I, I, that's, that's my sense of it, you Isn't know. Isn't it funny the way in Ireland we can swift, uh, change the pronunciation of the man to sort of take the evil out of it and go, oh, he's an awful devil, devil. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Isn't it the way we have adapted the word devil over thousands of years in Ireland? Oh, he's a devil. And we say oh, he's an awful devil, devil. Come here, come here, little devil. Ah, but there's goodness in a devil. Yeah, yeah, of course, meant, but there's yeah. a little boy and he's running around. He's an awful little devil. Come here to me. Yeah, you know, that's goodness. That's yeah, that. but that's nice. But that must have came... But Hector, that's not the devil. That's like, like if you were in a, if you were in a house and the mother says, Sean, come in out of the garden. Oh, he's a little devil. <laughs> Watch, looking out the window, he's on the trampoline. The little devil. The way you say it's on the trampoline. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it? But, but it's funny that we a must... devil is good. You yeah, know. devilment. You could have a your div- head between the thighs of your woman and bringing her great pleasure, and she might go. 
Oh, you little devil. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's, that's wonderful. But if you bring her to such, such places of pure physical ecstasy that she goes, you're the devil. <laughs> <laughs> We have a road by the devil. What about come in for your dinner? Imagine somebody, yeah, like it's funny, but Irish people must have adapted the pronunciation of that to take the badness away and to put it into the little, oh, he's a devil for the loop de loops. <laughs> oh, he's a devil for the wibbly wonders, wobbly wonders. That's it. Or the chalk ices. Oh, he's a devil for the cheesecake when he goes to the mother in law's. <laughs> But he's not. But he's a devil when he gets me into bed and twists me nipples <laughs> like Radio Luxembourg. Come in, Moscow. On a transistor Come in. radio. I didn't know if I was coming or going, but I was definitely coming and going. <laughs> and the devil said to me, "He said, give me go on there, the devil on me, the devil on my right shoulder, uh, the devil and the devil." I know what you're saying, Tommy. I agree with the the, the and Oscar and Jowl. Oh, doesn't sound as and no. That's, that's, they're, they're different. The I think diowl, that, the diowl, Tom diowl like it. Tom diowl like it. He's the devil has him. Tom diowl, diowl, yeah. diowl's a softer. El diablo, el diablo in oh, Spanish. Yeah. It's good. I like that. I'll tell you a story that sparked your conversation about devils. <laughs> and I'm going to turn off the lights in the podcast like the for this. Like Stay the with me, everybody. Stay with me. Well, I, I was just kidding. Getting deep now. We can't, can't. Oh, oh. oh Jesus! Oh, oh. The lights have gone off in the hen house. <laughs> oh, he's putting the lamp off too. Oh, oh, tell them what's happening. Tell them where we lads. Are. It's dark. There's a shaft of light coming in through one of the curtains, and lads, I, you're not going to believe this, lads. But it, it's in the shape of a cross. It is. <laughs> and it's just it's weird. come right across the table, and I can read the words. Help. <laughs> <laughs> Like, do you remember you went in the exorcist? No, 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 no. And the devil was inside her, and, it, and the word was a help written across her stomach or something. And the head twisting her above in the bed, and yeah. the omen, Damien. So I moved to. It's getting deep now. Uh, w- welcome back to the podcast. We've turned off all the lights. Uh, I moved to the Basque country in 1992. My girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, was taken in a year off Erasmus. She was over there studying Spanish. I went over. It's a lovely name. I went over to Erasmus Foley. From from County Clare. She's a fine woman. (laughs) Multilingual. Uh, I went over to see her for three weeks. And then I decided that I liked the Basque country. So I returned to Ireland very quickly and did a TEFL course in Leeson Street over a weekend and returned a week later to Bilbao. Fully qualified. Fully qualified to teach English after three days in Leeson Street. (laughs) It was a one-page document. (laughs) Present and past tense. It was a one-page document that I produced at an agency called Behal. And I went in, your man was ex-Waterford, too many years in the Basque country, half a French accent. And he goes, show me your qualifications. I said, Lisa Street International Academy of English. (laughs) 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 And then he went, when can you start? I said, mañana. So I was teaching English, Dipna returned home. After a while, I was living with a couple of girls and a fella from Ireland, and I decided that I was learning no Spanish. So I took the leap, and I took out an ad in the local newspaper, El Correo, and I wrote, Chico Irlandés buscando un piso. El Algorta, Irish 
boy looking for uh, uh, accommodation in Getcho, south side of Bilbao. But the river splits. The, I was in an area called Getcho. Uh, no hablo español, blah, blah, blah. Put the ad in El Correo. And then I, I put my the phone of the, of the agency down. And then I got a couple of phone calls about accommodation. Oh, oh. I went to a street in a place called Algorta, which is on the south side of Bilbao in the area of Getcho, the bigger area. I went to a street called Bidibari, a number 54. <laughs> but did B- you have a dance school? B- <laughs> Bidibari. <laughs> he was going to be their head boy. Bidibari, the pride of the... Uh, so the street was 54 Bidibari, B-I-D-E-B-A-R-R-I. And it was on a sloping hill. I went to view the flat... And I pressed the timbre, the button, and I went, hola. And this girl answered, hola. Knowing that she said, it is a Irlandese, are you the Irish? I said, yes. Come up. Up I went to this fifth floor, knocked on the door. And there was a girl there from Zamora, a hairdresser called Nines. She showed me the room, a three-bedroomed flat, old, old furniture, clean, one other boy was there called Kepa, who was a Basque teacher in a girl school, like a Basque school. She was a hairdresser. She showed me the room. I'm fucking shaking myself. Oh, my, I'm through what's in the room. What's this? Oh, God. This is a fucking true story. <clears throat> As I was leaving the room, I looked to the old big wardrobe and up on top there was a small jam jar with... An eyeball. <laughs> With a, some a sort of a liquid in it, <laughs> and I didn't say anything, but I'd spotted it because it was sort of protruding out. I said to Nina's, "Cuánto es el para el mes?" And she said, "Da da da." The money was that. I said, "I said that's fine. I'll take it." I moved all my stuff in a week later into this room. That thing was still on top of the wardrobe, and I took it out, took it out, uh, and oh it was a sort gosh. of a liquidy vinegar smelling, pungent smell oh. on it. And I left it back up there. <clears throat> and then the first day I arrived in, I slept and I had a knock on the door at six in the morning and I heard, Hola, quieres agua para la ducha? Do you want water for the shower? And I knew ducha. And I go, no, no, gracias. So I woke up, I didn't know where I was. Later that afternoon, Nines sat me down in the kitchen and she said, into, in my broken Spanish that I sort of understood, she said, I forgot to tell you there's one thing. Tenemos fantasmas in la casa. Now, if you fucking break that down in broken English, Fantasma. we have ghosts. In, and I went, see? And she goes, yeah. And she goes, no, 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 no. No pasa nada. No pasa nada. Son buenas. No pasa nada. No tranquil, tranquil. And then I said, what the fuck is she just after saying? We've got a ghost in the fucking... So I left it go. <clears throat> About three weeks later, she told me that don't come home early one afternoon. They were having an exorcism what? on the floor of that flat with her friend. So <laughs> <laughs> this is mental. I arrived in. And there was salt and candles and all sorts of things and everything happening on the thing. They were trying to expel the ghost and all this, right? I took it on board. I didn't say a word. I just went, I'm not moving. I swear to God, this is all madness. This is madness. I lived in that flat for three years, okay? Things started to happen about a year in. 
I'd come home and I'd put the four locks on the door. Mm-hmm. I'd come home at one o'clock in the morning out with the boys, three o'clock in the morning, whatever, you can stay out late in Spain. And then the next day she'd come in to me and she goes, ¿Por qué dejaste el, la puerta abierta? Why did you leave the door open last night? And I said, I didn't. I locked it all and I locked it with the three chains. So this was happening pretty regularly. About a year before I left, Kepa started seeing the ghost, the guy in his room. He'd come in in the morning and I'd be having my breakfast and he said, he's at the end of the, he's, he'd be there, yeah, he was at the end of my bed, young, young boy at the end of my bed. This is all in Spanish, right? And I, I passed this off. I didn't touch anything. I didn't say anything. I just said, right, this is it. But nothing ever happened. Nina's would often say she'd get a tap on the shoulder when she's in the kitchen and there'd be nobody there, right? This is all true. I left that flat after about three years, moved back to Ireland. <clears throat> and then about a year after that, I came back to visit with Dipna, with my girlfriend. We came back to visit in Bilbao and I got the keys of the flat because Nines was away and there was nobody in the flat. We arrived back in a year after I was there. It was empty. Nobody, the people were living there, but there's nobody there. Dipna was washing her teeth and I was washing my teeth. And then Dipna went out to the toilet and then she came back down to me and she says, what you do in the kitchen? I said, what are you on about? She says, the two taps are going at full blast in the kitchen. Now, full blast. I can't even turn them. I says, what? I wasn't in the kitchen. So I went up to the kitchen and the two taps were violently shaking and the water was coming out of them. I closed the taps. We closed the door in the room. And I never, ever, ever returned to Bidibari. And I've never spoken about this before. Oh my God. But that's true. And that's I'm glad true you turned story. the lights off. So when the, 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 the thing to learn here is, if you ever live in Spain and somebody says to you when you're renting a room, tenemos fantasmas in la casa. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And Lacuna J will see you this time next week. Bye-bye.